This podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check out the THN Patreon page to become a monthly supporter. And Omaha Bound. No one has more experience binding comic books into beautiful hardbound editions. Check out their work at OmahaBound.com. Thanks to Omaha Bound and stay tuned for an announcement about their Kickstarter for Paul Tobin and Phil Hester's Fringe series from Caliber Comics collected for the first time. Yes. Ho, ho, ha, ha. Remember me, old chum? Jolly devil. Welcome to THN Cover to Cover for Saturday, September 12th. Kitties, on this day, 1983, G.I. Joe cartoon premiered. Did you know that? 1983. I didn't know that. Wow. That's crazy. We're wretchedly old. I know. My name is Matt Bob. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. Here's how it works. Every Saturday morning at 1030 Central, Matt and I go live on the Facebook page to rap about the week's nerd news. And then we open the phone lines at 11 for you nerds to play along. Dot, dot, dot. Over to you. <laughs> you can call us at 402-819-4894. You can click our Facebook call now button. Or you can chat with us in Facebook Live. You can go there to find the invite to jump into our Zoom meeting, which Chris Flom is here, not Chris Kelly. Oh, P. P Flom? Yeah, the good Chris, not the bad Chris. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, John Tverdick just joined, but we ask him that you do join us. Turn off your vidya, all right? Because it takes up a bunch of bandwidth, and we're recording this, and I need to get Joe Patrick's beautiful uh, audio stylings on the show. Sounding all pro, but if you can't be here live, that's not a problem. You can you send can us- You can see my beard coming in in high definition. Oh, is that what we're calling it now, a beard? Oh, okay. Look, it's a, it's a, it's a foundation. <laughs> yeah. I'm building on a foundation. Whatever you say, Captain Peach Fuzz. You can send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com, or you can call us and leave a message at any time at 402-819-4894 with feelings, uh, anything you want to talk about. But before we get started here, I need Joe Patrick to set up these nerds with some nerd news. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Well, apparently, the off on again, off again, on again, off again, totally dead, not quite so dead. DC Generations. I think that's just business at DC now. It's finally <laughs> getting a proper start this January, uh, though in a slightly different way. It's uh, being reimagined in Generations. Pardon me, Generations: colon, Shattered Number One, which will be an eighty-page one-shot priced at nine ninety-nine. That's so. It's kind of exactly what we predicted like they'll be like well we wrote some of it so we may as well just like throw it all out in one shot and call it good there you go boom no i we don't know it. i don't know we did it know. we did it <laughs> i mean this isn't all that there's gonna be though so I, we'll get I know i know i kind of hope it was though <laughs> uh the project was put on hold due to covid and comic shipping delays and of course dc leadership changes yeah, there was R.I.P. that sure <laughs> r.i.p dan <to> Dio. <laughs> Here is a description of the series from the publisher. A threat of cosmic proportion to DC's newest and oldest universe compels one of the most unusual groups of heroes ever assembled to take on the most mysterious foe they have ever encountered. Joined the original Batman. Yeah, that's right. Purple gloves. The original Commandy, Batman. Commandy, the last boy on Earth, Starfire, Sinestro, Booster Gold, Dr. Light, Steel, 
And just for good measure, Sinestro a second time. I'm just glad they're bringing the old team back together, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> In their quest to save the universe before time runs out. Like, look, I don't know who reads this, these solicits, uh, who writes these solicits, but you got the word Sinestro twice within the span of five words. Well, they did lay off a lot of people. So I assume editorial got hit pretty hard. And that includes like, you know, some of those guys that were just sitting there that would look at the solicit and go, you said Sinestro twice. Like, yeah, well, <laughs> it's sorry, John, but we got to let you go, man. <laughs> Tough times. COVID. The mention of the quote unquote original Batman and the throwback Dark Knight featured on the cover point to the usage of Bill Finger and Bob Kane's Batman as originally designed and debuted in 1939's Detective Comics 27. Got the, He's got the purple gloves. He's got the big bad ears. Big old bad ears. Yep. Mm-hmm. Booster is on the cover, so obviously time travel is at play. Uh, original Batman. So let's just unpack that for a second, because that means the Batman we have today. Now, it should go without saying, obviously the Batman we have today did not become Batman in 1939. Or that doesn't make any sense. But now they're full on pointing to it. They're pointing out the problem and saying, yep. It was a 1939 Batman as well. Or is it just like a multiversal thing? Or what is it? None of this is new. They did it in Infinite Crisis with the original Superman. I don't know what you're so worked up about. Did they ever do this with Batman, though? If there's an original Superman out there, it stands to reason that there's an original Batman. But I would argue that, like, Superman being an alien and whatever, maybe he doesn't age the same as something like that. Batman's just a dude. No, he was a distinctly different character. You read Infinite Crisis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yes, he was a distinctly different character. I agree. Yes, it was the Earth 2 Batman. Oh, boy. So, I don't know. Like, this, that's what Generations was all about, though. It was the idea that the timeline started and kept... And kept shifting and going. Right. That's what we got where they right. retconned things so that Wonder Woman was the first superhero. Um, <clears throat> uh, and this isn't the only place this is going to pop up. Uh, of course, we saw Scott Snyder and Brian Hitch's uh, short story in Wonder Woman 750. Uh, the upcoming Detective Comics 1027 will include a, another short titled Generations Fractured, written and drawn by... Uh, oh. Written and drawn by Dan Jurgens with uh, inks by Kevin Nolan, which will also have uh, the Batman of today traveling back in time and becoming that Batman from 1939 or, or meeting him or something. We don't really know. Bumping into him or something. or Yeah, you know, having sex with him like back in the future style. <laughs> you can't do that. That'll screw up the timeline. Yeah, well, yeah man, it'll, be, it'll get real heavy. Yeah. If you can't hang out with them or influence them, you certainly cannot have sex with them. <laughs> yeah, okay? that's right. That goes without saying. <laughs> uh, Generations Shattered is written by Jurgens, Robert Venditti, and Andy Schmidt with art by Ivan Rice, Brian Hitch, Kevin Nolan, Aaron Lepresti, Fernando Passaran, Paul Pelletier, and more. That's a pretty stacked creative team. It's a pretty stacked creative uh, team, but let, let me just, and I'm not trying to be a jerk, okay? I like Dan sure Jurgens. Sure you are. I yeah, like Dan Jurgens. Dan Jurgens has done a lot of great stuff. But when you put a name like Dan Jurgens first and foremost on this, he's not the heaviest of hitters anymore. Do you agree with that statement? Sure. Okay. Does that say that perhaps we are getting the watered down, not quite the huge, massive generations thing that we were going to get in the first place. And this is just a little thing they're going to let Dan Jurgens play with and then it's going to go away. Well, the presence of multiple other creators uh, kind of flies in the face of that. And also, this isn't the only installment in this like 
saga or whatever they're calling it. I suppose. I just think they're crapping this out at this. You point. don't think Jurgens was involved from the from the in the original concept of Generations from the Jump? I a bunch of people were going to be writing a bunch of these. Maybe shots. he was in there, but no, I don't think he was the biggest name involved. I kind of doubt that. Nobody would, says he's the biggest name involved. This is just the first little chunk of it. I would guess Jeff Johns would have been the biggest name involved, but Jeff Johns doesn't write comic books for DC <laughs> anymore. Apparently, he does not. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, from the DC description, the story pits Batman against a would-be gang of museum vandals led by Calendar Man as a Dark Knight tries to Calendar Man as a Dark Knight tries to stop him from torching priceless artifacts. A mysterious flash of light appears to break reality, and Batman finds that everything is different in Gotham, and he's transported back to 1939. So this is the uh, description of the Detective 1027 yeah. story. Do we care? Yes, I want to see what they were going to do with Generations. Yes. I, okay, I just think... Well, like it's the only reason you don't care, because Dan Jurgens is involved? No, 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 that's not at all. I just think... Like, start, I like Dan Jurgens as a writer. I like Dan Jurgens as a writer, too. What was the last Dan Jurgens thing you enjoyed reading? Because I haven't enjoyed any of his newer stuff. I'll, be, I'll just come right out and say it. I can't think of anything he's written. Well, I don't know what he's written in the modern day that I was following. I think he was reading, uh, writing Batman Beyond, but I don't read that book. Uh, yeah, like, I, I just tried to read and review Batman Beyond a couple weeks ago, but it got scrapped. Didn't do much for me. I didn't care about his last Superman run a whole lot. Now, that wasn't totally his fault. He got jerked around a little bit because they brought in new creators and stuff like that. I get it. I don't think he is the powerhouse writer that he used to be his name doesn't excite me this when they start using terms like retooled or whatever it makes me think they dialed this way back and it's i don't know i'm not excited why would they even bother because they had some of it done and dc so isn't they're in that such a cheap place happens, right now they gotta print no, everything <laughs> no that happens all the time i don't constantly. disagree i don't disagree publishers publishers pay for work that never comes out this is this this happens. Yeah, but they already made a stink about it. They already released stuff. They already dropped stuff at last year's San Diego Comic Con. They had us talking about the timeline they put up in crap. I mean, I suppose they could just shove it all under the rug, but I feel like, like they, I'm not I'm not saying that it's not I'm not saying it hasn't changed from its original form, but that doesn't mean they're crapping it out. It just means that their plan has changed. Fair enough. They're, they're still addressing the generations. The thing with Wonder Woman being retconned has already happened. It's canon. Yeah. I the mean, JSA is back. That's another thing. Like, you kind of like, have to do something happening. with this now. So, I don't know. I'm not as excited as I was. We'll see. I hope it's good. I hope it's good. And I don't mean to bag on older Let's creators. just declare that it's bad now, since <laughs> that's what you want to do. That's not what I'm doing. <laughs> In other news... This week, news hit that original RoboCop screenwriter Edward Neumeyer is back at it again. And I say again, because if you go to his IMDb page, I can't believe how much RoboCop shit that this guy wrote that I did not know existed. There's like six different RoboCop cartoons and stuff. I watched one called RoboCop Alpha Commandos this morning on YouTube. It's terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. Wow. <laughs> but there was a scene where RoboCop walks up to a little robot and he goes, I need to interface with you. And the spike comes out of his arm and the little robot goes, Wee! <laughs> So I was like, oh, that's, that's not how you ask for permission, RoboCop. <laughs> He's back at it again, this time working with MGM TV on a series set before the events of the original 1987 film, focused on corrupt OCP executive 
Dick Jones, who is portrayed by America's favorite asshole cop or military personnel in every 80s movie, Ronnie Cox. Look him up. You'll instantly recognize the guy. He was also everybody's jerk dad in a bunch of 80s movies, too. (laughs) Yeah. Here's what he had to say about it. It has all the cool stuff about RoboCop, except no RoboCop. (laughs) Neumeier went on to say that he is working with these two writers, Dave Parkin and Rob Gibbs. No idea who they are, but they do already have a page in the RoboCop fandom wiki. So those guys are hard at work. Good for them. Who bought this idea, who brought this idea to a TV producer friend of mine who then brought it to me. The first time I heard it, I knew it was a cool idea because I could see a lot of things you could do with it. It's such an interesting character. I would argue the interesting part of RoboCop, RoboCop, arguably? I mean, like, was that your favorite part of the show? Or I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, one could argue. Uh... Newmeyer said that in keeping with the tradition of the original film, he wanted to use the series as a biting satire on current events, yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, it's going to be the spirit of RoboCop. It's going to be the writer of RoboCop, but it's not going to have RoboCop. I don't care about this at all. This makes me feel the same way that I felt about Pennyworth, which turned out to be fine. Gotham, which is Batman without Batman, except it's got baby Batman in it. You know, like... I'm I'm just done. I'm done. I'm so sick of these series that dance around the thing that it is based off, but can't have that thing. I'm sick of it. And I don't care about this. I don't want it. I did not care about Neumeier's recent new RoboCop movies either. Apparently there's another one coming. Neil Blomkamp was tied to this at one point, but he departed. And like, there's nothing about this that excites me or I care about. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I'm I'm not as invested in RoboCop as you, but uh, like I get it. Look, I mean, like, uh, it it's my investment in RoboCop literally ends with the first one. The second RoboCop is terrible. The third one's even worse. In the fourth one, he fights a fucking ninja. Okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> RoboCop does not have like this storied place in my heart. I just love the first one, Peter Weller, the the soundtrack, the movie, the Paul Verhoeven movie. It's great. It's super violent. It was a thing of its time, and it probably should have just stopped. We didn't need more. This yeah, is dumb. Yeah. This I, is I, beyond cash cow. And I don't even so much I don't even so much agree that they can't have RoboCop. It's that they've chosen to make a prequel about arguably the least interesting part of RoboCop. I don't think they can have RoboCop because the film rights are tied up for this sequel that may or may not happen. So they don't have the rights to RoboCop. Well, I mean, MGM is working with them on this project. Sure is, but they probably want to keep the movie stuff separate from TV, which is why he can't do it. Why else would you do it? Why else would you say, I'm so excited to do a RoboCop show? Let me ask you this. What do you call the show? What's your show called? RoboCop Origins. <laughs> but it's not. You can't have it called RoboCop. That's not what it is. The RoboCop origin happens in the 1987 film. RoboCop Origins, <laughs> colon, Dick Jones. Yeah, that's just it. I mean, like, you can look at something like Pennyworth and call it Pennyworth, and some people might recognize, oh, that's Alfred Pennyworth. Or, you know, Gotham. Obviously, that's where Batman's but, from. But what are you going to call it? I mean, New Detroit? I mean, like, Dick. yeah. <laughs> OCP? I mean, like, who cares? 
who cares? <laughs> this is dumb. Uh, you know, I mean, at least Alfred has an interesting backstory. Like, I guess, who, like, yeah. Like, who gives a shit about business, corrupt businessman? Right, and like Ronnie Cox, while he was great in that role in the film, his role was tiny. He's just like, I'm asshole guy that has to move the plot along, and you won't understand the conspiracy until you meet me, because I'm a jerk. Great. Give me more of that guy. <laughs> like, I need to know. What was he like as a kid? Oh, man. I bet his dad was a jerk. I'd love to see his bar mitzvah. You know, like, who cares? <laughs> I hope they cast Ronnie Cox and digitally de-age him. <laughs> I hope for Ronnie's sake that just, he doesn't have to do shit like that anymore. <laughs> just to make it just to make it as weird looking as possible. All right. Let's talk about the good news this week. Finally. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, finally. Right. Uh, look, hey, remember back in June when Bendis let slip that he maybe might be leaving Superman, but went on to say, it's so far away, you guys, kind of a non-headline, don't even worry about it. Yeah, I mean, like, we were talking, like, what, how long, like, what, years? What? Yeah, right. Uh, well, this week we found out his run on both Superman and Action Comics will be ending in December. <laughs> Not next December, <laughs> this December. Which is exactly why he, you know that he backpedaled. Like, oh, but uh, no, leaving? No, that's not for, pfft, uh, no, that's not for at least, I don't know, five months. <laughs> <laughs> the solicits call it a quote unquote wrap up and a final Superman tale for Bendis along with art teams, Ivan Rice and Joe Prado on Superman and John Romita Jr. and Claus Jansen on action. Frankly, that's kind of a mercy killing. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, here is the solicit for Superman 28. It's the Man of Steel's last stand in this final Superman tale. Yet we already did that part. Superman comes face to face with an alien race that he desperately wants to help before it's too late. As the cosmically powered race known as the Sinmar aim their deadly power at the Man of Steel's adopted planet, Superman finds himself pushed past anything he has ever faced. Get ready to experience a powerhouse moment for Superman that's been years in the making. Does Sinmar mean anything to you? Is that just no, brand new? They, they're brand new. They okay. were just introduced this week or last week. Okay. In uh, Superman 25. So Bendis is leaving. And what do you do with Superman after this? When you have a name like Bendis who has, I would argue, kind of saved Superman comics and made them great again. I don't understand the people that hate on it at all. It, it blows my mind because it's been so wonderful. What the hell do you do next? DC's got to be panicking, right? You get Dan Jurgens to go next? No, or? they're not. Pan <laughs> Come on, man. They're not panicking. And it's not like he just dropped this news on him today. No, I get that. But like, what do you do next? Like, if you don't think that there's already a plan in place for Superman, you're crazy. Okay, Joe Patrick, you are the editor-in-chief of DC. Where And and Bendis comes into your room and gives you this and you, news and you go, okay, great. No, we get it. You've done, you know what? You had a great run. That's great. And I got an idea. I got an idea. Here's who's going to be next. I mean, I don't know that there's anybody currently at DC that would match him in terms of hype. Are you scared at Scott Snyder? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I hope not. <laughs> I deeply hope not. I think uh, Scott Snyder's kind of pulling back from superhero stuff, so right. I, don't, I don't think it'll be Scott Snyder. Um, I mean, I look, yes, Bendis is Bendis, but it's not like the books were garbage before you came along. Pete Tomasi was doing great stuff. He was. No, I like, like that. once that, they, that once they did good. all that Superman reborn stuff and, and the, and the new 52 Superman went away, like things were fine for a while. For a while. Um, and like, I, I had not, no real complaints about that era of the book. Um, so I don't know. Like, who do they pick? I don't know. Like, I'm thinking of the people currently in DC's stable of writers. You've got, uh, um, like Jeff Lemire's in there somewhere. Robert Venditti. 
Um, Tom Taylor, like I wouldn't mind a Tom Taylor getting a crack at it. I would love to see Tom Taylor get a crack at it. And I think he's more than proven himself writing a book that I do not care about with this. He's doing deceit, the deceased stuff, right? He's doing deceased and he's doing the new suicide squad and the new suicide squad. So maybe he's busy. I don't know, but I would love to see him get a shot. Definitely. Like, I, I don't know that I'd be too keen on Tom King because his long runs end up leaving me cold in the long run. Uh, yeah, huh. I could see them giving Tom King. Actually, no, I don't think they would. Because I think if Tom King was going to do it, he would want enough control that they'd have to do some, like, black label thing with Superman. And by the way, I do not want a Superman black label book. Don't want it at all. Don't need to see his dick. Don't need to see him kill anybody. <laughs> I think it's adorable it. that you think Tom King has the pull to like make demands on what he does with corporately owned characters. I feel like I'll bet he does. No, cut the shit. There's no way Tom King gets to roll into DC and say, this is what we're doing. I bet he sells and the enough. WB just like says, yep, you, you bet Mr. King. You I'll bet. bet he sells enough stuff that he can under his black label stuff. And they go, yeah, sure. Why not go for it? It's not yes, continuity. that's because they sell. choose to do it, not because Tom King is, like, calling his own shots. No. He's not, like, Tom King, no. He's a veteran, Joe, so you just watch your mouth, all right? Yeah, you watch your mouth. <laughs> uh, here's the solicit for Action Comics Sorry, I forgot you don't support our troops, Joe. Wow. Yeah, no, fuck them. <laughs> December's Action Comics 1028 not only wraps up Bendis' run, but it also touches on recent stories in Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane, Justice League, Legion of Superheroes, and of course, Superman. Uh, it's the House of Kent epilogue. With the final fate of Metropolis' his underworld revealed at last, it's time for each member of the House of Kent to face their unknown futures head on, including Lois, Connor, John, Kara, Jimmy, and of course, Clark Kent. Jimmy, last I checked, was not a member of the Kent family. Yeah, I don't think so. Not related. But I mean, like, if you want to say, like, close buddies of Superman. Joe Patrick just muted himself. Good Lord, man. What are you doing over here? You are it unmuted. Said the, it said the host muted you. I didn't touch anything. I didn't touch anything. Yeah, I guess you did. No, I was muting some of these other jerks. I had to mute David Robbins. He was getting uppity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, David. Uh, all right. Well, listen, I, Superman goes on sale December 15th. Action follows up the next week on the 22nd. Uh, I'm kind of bummed to see him go, but. You know, we all knew it wouldn't be forever. I am extremely bummed to see him go. And uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be a really challenge to fill those shoes. I hope that they kind of stick with the same feel and theme for the character because it's been so right on and it's been such a wonderful return to the character. If you're not reading Superman, you should absolutely be reading Superman. And you don't need to read a whole bunch of other stuff if you don't want to. You can, in fact, you could just pick action or Superman and roll with it and you would be fine. Yeah, they're telling distinct stories. The only thing, you know, there's some carryover with the obvious major events like the secret identity and all that. The event Leviathan was kind of a thing for a minute there. But again, if you didn't read it, you would be fine. I don't think you would have been completely out of the loop. I just think they're going to have a tough time replacing what he's done with this character. And I wonder where he goes next. Like, what is he going to do after this? He still has a contract. He's still going to be writing Legion of Superheroes, from what I understand. But like, what else is he going to do? Bendis is a spaz. This is a guy that writes five, six books a month. I don't know, man. Like, 
You act like this sort of thing has never happened before. No, I'm acting like what would Characters you like to see? Characters move to other books. Like they're, they've, I bet you his next I project agree. is already lined up. And I'm wondering what it is. And I'm asking Joe Patrick. We have this talk show that we do on Saturday mornings. Yeah, I get where it. But you ask, you <laughs> ask with this frantic on. intensity, like, oh, God, what's going to happen? No, I'm saying, like, where do you want to go Everything's going to be just fine. What would you like to see Bendis do next? Um, you know what? I bet it's going to be something Batman related. I have a feeling. I have a feeling because right now it's all Batman all the time at DC. I'm fine yeah. with that. I think he I, could do a great job on Batman. I think that, I mean, I would also kind of love him uh, on Justice League. It's been a long time since I've read a Justice League book that I actually care about. Yeah. Um, I think he could do a good Justice League, although I think you would immediately accuse him of making everybody sound like the same. Well, they will, but <laughs> doesn't mean I didn't like his Avengers. I would like to see if he's going to do bad stuff. I think it would be cool to give him like entry into the bat world. Whereas like we have stuff going on in Batman and detective, but maybe let him do some cool stuff with Nightwing, Batgirl, Robin, some of these completely underserved characters right now. I don't know if you've read Nightwing. It's awful. And what they're doing with the character is the dumbest. And yeah, I'm glad that Tim Drake is no longer Drake. He's back to Robin or whatever. And by the way, you can't make your code name your last name. That's stupid. Someone's going to figure that out. Also, a Drake is a duck. Right. I, I, I cannot stress that enough. What a if Drake Daredevil is, is swinging around like, oh, no, it's Murdoch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> all right, Parker all right. man. Yeah, it's just dumb. I would like to see him get a hold of some of the more street level DC stuff because he's really good at that. He's really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hey, bronze tiger, right? Totally I mean, black lightning, you know, I mean, or maybe he's just lightning now, right? No, he's still called black. He's lightning. still called black lightning. Okay. Yeah. I would Where, love something. Where'd you like get that. that? I don't know. I thought he was just lightning now. All right. Regardless of that. Whew, we got through it. It's time to open these phone lines and open these Zoom lines to the kitties, see what they have to say. We got all kinds of other stuff that I would love to talk about. I would like to hear what you would like to see Bendis do next. I would like to hear thoughts on the Dune trailer because it fucking floored me and I'm a huge Dune nerd. And by the way, our lawyer and consigliere Ryan Forrest put out a tweet in response to Casey being a jerk. Casey had the gall to ask me to explain Dune. And I was like, you don't. And I said, no, you don't, you don't want to know. She's like, no, I want to know. And I'm like, no, you don't. She said, tell me. And I said, okay, Dune is a story. She immediately started rolling her eyes. And she's like, who is Zendaya? Just tell me who Zendaya is. I'm like, I can't just tell you who Zendaya is. And that is what Dune is about. <laughs> so she tweets about it. Ryan Forrest immediately says, Dune is to sci-fi what Rush is to Pragra, completely overrated. And I jumped through the internet. And I punched Ryan in the face and stood over him. And I was like, you shut your filthy mouth. <laughs> wow. I want to hear about your thoughts on the Dune trailer. We now have a Wonder Woman release date. Christmas. We're getting Wonder Woman for Christmas. At the same time, we're getting Dune. If we don't all have the flu and COVID at the same time, which could happen. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a real toss up. Hey. How about we set up the question oh, of the first, week? Yeah, I forgot. Let's set up the question of the week. Joe Patrick. <sighs> this week's question was submitted by Christy Forrest, uh, who's pretty pissed off that you jumped through the internet and punched her husband, Ryan. In the he face. had it coming. All right. Uh, this is kind of a flip side to his last question. Christy wants to know which comic book character 
had the best on-screen death. Now, I know that some people out there in the woolly wilds of the internet were uh, commenting on uh, non-comic on-screen deaths, which I guess is fine. So just hit us with whatever's on your mind. Yeah, 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 that's fine. It doesn't just have to be on-screen. Your favorite comic no. character, Death. I'm all right. No, on screen. The question is on screen. How about just I'm death? Saying, Let's just go with Death. What's no, your favorite on death, period. screen. <laughs> like, on screen. <laughs> all right, all right. This all right. isn't your question. <laughs> I'm saying like people were like, like Michael Severe's first thought was, "We ain't talking about never-ending story." Yes, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> we can if you want, though. I guess. Go straight like, to if, if you're from fa- never-ending story, the horse. Artex. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so, like, if your favorite on-screen death isn't necessarily from a comic book movie, yeah, who cares? Yeah. Let's whatever. roll with it. All right. I'm into it. David Robbins, you are unmuted, sir. Welcome aboard. And what do you want to rap about today? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. I uh, hope you guys are doing okay. Uh, I wanted to, I'll answer the question of the week quick, and then I got something I, I want to talk about that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Non-re- non-related to current uh, pop culture or anything like that. Okay. Um, so, uh, character deaths, um, on-screen death. Uh, and uh, like comic book page and on screen um, comic book page. I'm immediately drawn to either Colossus curing the legacy virus um, or Giles in Buffy season eight. Okay. Time out. Um, Are you saying yes. you liked when Colossus died that way? I think it's impactful. Oh, I hated it. I hated it's, it. It, it, it's <laughs> no, I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm just saying no, no, it's contextually good for the character. Like he is the guy who's going to, as Cap says, jump on the grenade. Yes. He's that guy. Yes. I don't disagree. Okay. I just think it was such a waste of that character and, a, and a dumb way I to cure the legacy virus. You got to admit that it was a dumb way to cure it. What happened? When he's, I also think it's, it's weird for a passive power like that to release the cure. Right. That seemed weird to me. Right. But for Colossus to make the choice, I think that that's, that's correct. I'll give you that to make the choice. Yes. The way that it was cured, stupid. Because what happened? He, he gives him, that's like, oh, hey, we cured cancer. And you know how we did it? We gave one person a shot and it flew around the world and it, and it just cured everybody? Like instantaneously. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Are they yeah. all connected? Because that's weird. Is there like a mutant power force, like the speed force that they tap into that I don't know about? Or <laughs> Could be. Kind of could weird. be comics hand weavy magic yeah a wizard did it okay uh, um and for as far as screens themselves i gotta stick with buffy and i go with tara Ooh. um yeah. yeah that was a rough one yeah it's so brutal and so out of nowhere and so unexpected yeah. in the last 20 seconds of the episode oh it's tara died it, yeah it's so so brutal it was heartbreaking um, so so th- there's there's a question that we can answer um I got to uh, tell a quick little thing that happened to me at work yesterday. Um, I was talking to my boss's boss's boss. So the, like the VP of the company a couple weeks ago, cause we were talking about hobbies and stuff during COVID. And I was explaining to him D and D and tabletop RPGs that were playing over zoom and such. Sure. And kind of gave him the, the rundown of how they work and, and dice and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that, was, that was about six weeks ago. Yesterday he stops me as I'm walking through the office and says, Hey, um, I got to tell you what's going on. My son has a good friend. He was the best man at his wedding. And the friend um, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Oh. And they, he's, he comes to my son and says, I've never played d and I don't know anything about it. Before the end, I want to play D&D. Oh, and wow. the son says, absolutely, I will play with you. 
Um, I don't know if the, the guy got a chance to play or not, but my boss tells me the story of his son playing over the past week. And he played a cleric as his first character. Okay. And the other players at the table chastise him for playing quote unquote wrong. What does that mean? I don't know. My only assumption is that he's playing a quote unquote healer that wasn't healing. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's the only thing I can think of. Okay. And it pissed me off to no end. Well, time out. No, Two, I no. Mean, I'm, and I'm not saying that like, I'm just saying when you do play in a party and if you're playing with a traditional, like I play in a group and we have very traditional roles, healer, tank, you know, fighter, whatever. And, and some people base their strategy around that i'm gonna run in and be the tank your job is time to heal out me, nothing but i'm getting hurt no time out nothing if you're if you're having if you've crafted a special occasion so a guy can bring his terminally ill son to the table to play D. there's still rules no fuck that shit <laughs> and if you want to if you're gonna gatekeep a terminally ill kid then you can fuck right out i'm of not here. gatekeeping i'm not gatekeeping but i will say yes you are if i'm a tank so here, here, and i'm getting killed and no one's healing me i gotta be like excuse me What's, what's going on back here? <laughs> then so what? Take a mulligan the next time you play and do it over. Here's, here's, my, here's my thoughts on it. Number one, if this is his first game, the rest of this party shouldn't be expecting a healer anyway because they've been dealing without a healer for X amount of time anyway. Agreed. So that, yes. should, be, that should be irrelevant. Agreed. Number two, if you play a cleric that is having a crisis of faith and can't heal right now because the healing magic doesn't work, that's a perfectly valid character type. If you're playing a cleric uh, to a deity who doesn't believe in healing, sure. that is absolutely a perfectly valid character character type. And I think it is reprehensible for these players to, yeah, absolutely gatekeep a player who has never played before, who wants to try this game and this this hobby that we love. We were the outsiders that didn't have a community to, and a tribe to belong to. And now many of us have forgotten what that feels like and are trying to keep people out of it. Sure. And it pisses me off. Okay. No, I hear you there, but I, I, I will also say a cleric is not a first, is not a great first experience for d It's his only experience, Matt. And, I'm done. and look, Frank Cirillo in the chat says, I like it because they're treating him like a regular kid. And I don't disagree with that. Okay. <laughs> totally. It's not the term. This is not the terminally ill guy that got, get, that got treated this way. This was a oh, friend. This is a friend of the terminally ill kid. Okay. Yes. Well then yes, yes, you're doing it wrong and you shouldn't have played a cleric. Okay. Go be a barbarian. <laughs> right? No, I'm saying screaming at him is the wrong thing. You say Absolutely. like, you say to the kid, Hey man, I know it's your first time, but like, here's a better way to use your powers and your character stuff like this. Think about it like this and help them. Don't just start screaming at them. But kids Absolutely. are idiots. I mean, yeah, kids are dumb. Kids do dumb I, shit. So well, and it's it's not kids. These are these are like adults. These are twenty year olds. These are these are like grown adults that, that okay. were playing this way. Then no excuse. I, I, you're a bunch of assholes. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That's my and any any GM worth their salt should have shut that shit down immediately. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Like I, I just this this I had to get this off my chest because this this whole experience is. I I told him like any player that wants to play D and D should be able to play any race they want, any class they want, any gender they want, any way they want, and the DM should allow that as long as it fits within the scope of their campaign. Don't bring an evil character into a non evil campaign. Yeah, that's about the only restriction I would have. Totally, and, I, and this person is welcome at any table I run anytime. And any GM what? that's worth their salt should say, hey. This is your first time before you start. This is what a character like this does. This is kind of how they they do their thing. 
just so you know and have an idea of what you're doing as opposed to like, yeah, roll them up and go, man. Like, no, there should be some let me, management. <clears throat> let me, let me tell you, David, let me tell you a little story about something my friends and I like to call wave two. <laughs> This has nothing to do with anything. I was still doing long ago. I was long rogue ago, doing my thing. I mean, no, 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 no. Long ago, Matt and I were part of a group uh, of guys that played D and D once a month, led by Wooly Toots as our DM. And Matt was very fond of the idea of not rushing into danger with his companions, and instead, I'm going to do a little acrobatic dance through these abandoned buildings. Uh, and try to creep around the backside of this dragon uh, while you guys get slaughtered. <laughs> because my character was a rogue and a coward, uh-huh. and I was no, playing yeah, him as such. Yeah, cowardly. <laughs> so, yeah, cowardly, yes. Wave two. That was and we're my like, job. Yeah, there's the danger. The danger is imminent. We have to fight this thing to get past it. And Matt's like, cool, I'll see you guys in a tight 10 minutes. That's right. I was a rogue and a coward playing my no. character. Yeah, so, so yes. I don't want to hear any bullshit about anybody playing the game wrong. It's but no, nonsense. There is a lot of like gatekeeping bullshit that goes on, and I agree that that needs to be handled by a good dungeon master, game master. Period. Yeah. That needs to be managed, and if it's not, that falls flat on them. That falls Absolutely. plainly on them, and they're and maybe they're just not very good at their job. And that kid was in the wrong group. There's plenty of great groups out there too. So I mean, you know. Blame the GM. That's what it comes down to. It's the yeah. coach gets fired in football. GM gets fired in D and D. That's how it works. No, I also don't agree with that. That's, if your players are being jerks, then those guys are the ones. But they need to be managed by the person that is running the game. Well, I, see, here here's my thought on it too: is that anything like if if a cleric is not healing, that is not a thing that deserves out of character consequences and retaliation and anything like that. Right. Anything like that. You keep that shit in character. You keep that shit in game. Yeah. If that's in your character, I agree. Totally. If If the party gets upset at the cleric for not healing, maybe there becomes a scene then uh, in the, in the next half hour. Like I, I I really could have used some help there. Uh, I'm sorry. My deity is not allowing me to do this right now. Sure. And and if that's the case, fine. If you're one of the new, like the death metal clerics that like steal life and shit like that, which I love, I can't wait to play one. That's yeah. Then you're playing your character. Nothing wrong there. It just sounds like these kids are being dicks. So absolutely. It does. That's I agree. 100%. The the difference between these guys and your NFL player analogies is that these guys are not employees. No, these I'm are, not saying NFL players. I'm just saying the person around who, a table. Agreed. But the person who runs a game needs to control that. That's no, job. no. The, yeah. the, That's why they're called the dungeon if you roll into a, master. If you roll in, no. <laughs> yes. If you roll, David, if help you roll me out here. A, if you roll into a game and you act like an asshole to people that you're playing with, it's on you, not on the guy running the game. No. I'm not saying well, it's, it's, yes, it's on it's, you. It's on you, but it's also on the guy running the game to say, Get the fuck off my table. Yes. Well, yeah, that I agree with. That's what I'm saying. You have to manage players. So, David, always excellent to talk to you. Thank you, sir. And I love the gaming talk. We never get to do that. I love it. Thanks, guys. Be safe. All right. I'm muting you. I'm unmuting Frank Cirillo. He patiently has his hand up. If you have something you would like to talk to us about on the Zoom, raise your hand and we'll talk to you. Frank, you're unmuted, sir. How are we doing? All right. How you doing? Good. Can you hear me? Okay. You sound amazing. Are you kidding? Um, me? I'm on my, I'm on my actual mic right now. That's why I have a, I have a snowball. 
You sound incredible. You have this like oh, deep you. baritone. Wow. I really like it. Yeah, yeah. I think I got a, it's it's that it's that post nasal drip of the weather change out yeah. here in New York. Makes you sound cool. Start like, I know, yeah, right? Mm. I'm gritty oh, and I, I have allergies. Yeah, that's it, baby. Allergies, baby. <laughs> Nothing sexier than allergies. What do you want to oh, talk yeah. about today, Frank? <laughs> uh, I I just watched that Dune trailer again. Just oh, to. Oh, Oh my God. It was, like, it was <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like, it's, and that, that like Pink Floyd song in the background is just, is like, it's subtle. And then all of a sudden it gets more and more pushed to the front. And it's like, holy moly, this is amazing. I have feelings about the Pink Floyd song. We will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsor. We wanted to tell you about Omaha Bound's latest Kickstarter project. Omaha Bound are premier bookbinders that specialize in binding comic books into amazing, one-of-a-kind, hardbound editions, completely customizable to your specifications. Omaha Bound's latest project is a collection of Paul Tobin and Phil Hester's Fringe, originally printed by Caliber Comics in the 1990s and reprinted for the first time collected ever. Oh, by the way, the series never ended. But now you can read the end. This new reprint includes a newly written ending to the story, new spot illustrations by Hester accompanying the new ending, new cover by Phil Hester, and an introduction by Zach Davison. We're going to have a link in the show notes to their Kickstarter where you can see preview art and more. These trade paperbacks are ready to print and are print by order only, so they will be very limited. So you pledge, if you want to own this beautiful collection of early works by Tobin and Hester, you will also get a copy of the Fringe Pencils and Inks. It's a companion piece that has 100 plus pages of original art, sketches, and other artifacts. It's printed in full color, and like I said, they are ready to print. So you order this, and boom, it's shipping right out to you. Plus, you'll also get a copy of the Wretch Omnibus, which collects every Wretch storyline, including a new one by series artist Phil Hester that he did in 2019, and the Wretch Pencils and Inks art book. Go check out their Kickstarter. Get in on four exciting, beautifully curated hardcovers, printing Fringe and the Wretch for the first time with new content. I want to send a huge thanks to Omaha Bound for supporting this show. And go support these guys. Contact them if you want to get your hands on these unique collectibles or you want to get your comics bound into a one-of-a-kind hardcover collection. I know on their website they had an X-Factor collection all lined up and the spines lined up with the team showing the the Larry Stroman X-Factor stuff that I love so much. You can find them at omahabound.com. Now, back to the show! Of course you do. I do. I have feelings about I am I'm kind of done with the cover of classic rock song. Okay. Put into trailer, but the classic rock song is more serious or scary this like I'm just over it. I'm over it. I like I, I don't know. There's don't know nothing about there's nothing about serious. Dune that makes me want to like I mean, I guess that's not true. Pink Floyd had some very sci-fi, theory, you know, themes yeah. and stuff and whatnot. I'm just kind of over it. Either that or just play the song. Just play the I, fucking I song. Get, I get it. And I, I get, you know, like when I when I watch the uh, the new the, that uh, the, the Zack Snyder cut trailer and they used Hallelujah. I was yeah. like, oh, I, I love the song. I love the song. But and that's what and that made me think that 
was like, oh, maybe this will be good. And then someone was like, hey, didn't he use that in Watchmen? I'm like, oh, yeah, he did. Maybe it's not going to be good. I mean, <laughs> I Watchmen would, was. I would also but, argue that like that worked in the Watchmen sense where it's right. like the song is telling a certain story and Watchmen has a very similar feel. And I get that. Like, totally get yeah. it. It has. There's no way you're going to sell me on the fact that like. Snyder's Justice League has that same weight and political commentary and no. like no, not give at me all. a goddamn not break. All. Not at all. Oh my god. I think not it was all. I think the use of that song was more of a meta commentary, like behold, yeah, your savior is back. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's all happening. <laughs> like, fuck off. <laughs> Which like they fundamentally misunderstand the song. Like when Trump got off the plane this week and they played Fortunate Son, which is a song about rich kids <laughs> skipping uh, military service. You yeah, know, and yeah. there's no way CCR guys were like, fuck yeah, we're Trump dudes. We're into it. You know, <laughs> like, no, no way. this is wrong on every no fucking way. level. <laughs> What are you doing? Oh my god, <laughs> that's amazing, oh, awful. So, so the question this week, being, um, oh crap, here comes my daughter. Uh, <laughs> she's gonna mess it up. Uh, so the question: What's the best on screen? I'm, I'm a little confused, only because it's like on screen in the comic book. You mean, or actually, comic made to movie well, TV on, show on screen death comic book of a super comic book movie or show? Yeah. Okay, okay, so. Uh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really the best, have one. The best character death within a comic book that is being viewed on a screen by the comic book <laughs> character. Okay. No. It's very well, specific. A, a, Extremely specific. A, a really thinky. This is a thinky one. I really got to say. Well, there's um, easy answers. There's super easy answers. And they, they, you know, like Spider-Man, RDJ, when Iron Man dies, stuff like that. Yeah. So, I'm, that's the super easy one. Right. And I would, I would have to go with, I would have to go with, um, you know, when I'm, you know what, I'm going with this one. I'm pulling this one out of, out of, out of the thin air. And uh, I'm going to go when Spock died, because you know what? Star Trek was a comic book at one point. Yep. So when Spock yeah, died, good. that is the most impactful comic book to screen death that I've, that I can think of. Ugh. And only because I'm just a gigantic Star Trek nerd. And I've been immersing myself in Star Trek for like the past, the past two years with discovery. It's like and also with- like a death scene though, that I have trouble talking about without crying. Oh, dude! <laughs> like, it, it seriously, I see it. No, I get it. I get that. Oh, and every time I see it, it chokes me up, and I'm like, no, no. So set it you up. Know, even though set I know up. he set it up for those who don't know what we're talking about. Set it up. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, um, the enter- the Enterprise is in a life and death situation. Um, you're you've got a bomb about to go off that's going to destroy a nebula and create a new planet, and it's going to take the Enterprise with it. And there's no way to fix it unless you go into a super radioactive chamber and no one could do it and survive. So Spock decides to sacrifice himself and do it. And when the, the most, one of the, one of the, the like the, the scene that's at the gut punch is when Kirk turns around to Spock and to say something to him and the chair is empty. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah. no. You know, and that, that right there, that, that scene, that movie is still, you know, anybody says, oh, what's the, what's the best Star Trek movie? And I'm like, Star Trek 2. Yeah. You're never going to change my mind. No doubt. Yeah, but, you know, they inject him with some triple blood and he ends up feeling much Shut better. Up. That is not Shut what up. happened at all. That is not what happened. That is not even close. Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> right. I have so many problems with that movie. And it, that's not even the beginning of it. The beginning of it was, oh, hey, Khan's the character. No, no, it's not Khan. It's not Khan the villain. Khan's not the villain. No. And then right, you yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch Khan. When you could have just actually hired a guy from in who was of Indian descent, yeah, or Sikh descent. Actually, he was a Sikh, right? Sikh descent, 
Like Ricardo Montalban, for example. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, it was the 60s and, and you know, from the pool of actors that was available. Right. right. But you know what? Like, don't hire like the whitest white guy ever. Yeah. To play, you know, to play like a Sikh Indian right. overlord. You know, I mean. Okay, but back, I, I okay, have, back to the death. Let's go back to the death real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah, back to the death. When so, he like so when turns to the to Bones the and he's like. is empty. How, and he's like. How long could a person last there? And he's like, I wouldn't give him more than two minutes before something happened. And he's like, you're right. It's too dangerous. We're not going in there. And Bones turns around, nerve pinch. And he's like, and you yeah. can see Bones like, oh, oh my green God. blooded oh, yeah. son of a bitch. You're going to do it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then Scotty's oh. call to the bridge. When Scotty calls oh. the bridge and just says, Captain, you better get down here. Oh. Like, oh, and Spock man. is like leaning against the glass and he's oh. going. And I have that Christmas oh. one, by the way. Hallmark actually thought that would be a great Christmas ornament. <laughs> I own it. Like, dead it's Spock. Like, <laughs> right. It's like I own this. I'm like, this is this is probably the most un-Christmas thing ever. Yeah. But I own it and I love it. And it's like I look at it, I press the little button and it says, I am and always shall be your friend. And, yeah. I, and I just that, like that line. Oh, Kills me. Oh, yeah. Like I'm, oh, I'm yeah. there's a friend of mine. I'm waiting to die. I'm going to say that at his funeral and I'm oh. melt and it's not Joe Patrick. It's somebody else, but oh. I'm going to melt. Oh my oh. God. But the very end at the funeral where they're playing no Danny boy and they oh, shoot Jesus. him out. And then like, instead of Kirk's voice, you get Spock's voice yes. saying, Oh, amazing grace isn't it oh it kills me. It's great. It's so great. It's so amazing. Oh. What is that album you got back there, by the way? Uh, this one, yeah. This is Tim Heidecker's. Uh, what do What do the brokenhearted do? It's wonderful. Oh, okay, it's I'll wonderful. Have to check it out. Yeah. It's funny because like I have a new collection. I'm selling a bunch of my old collection, so my new collection is like a sea of the most horrifying, like you know, esoteric metal you can possibly think of, and uh, two him Tim Heidecker records. I don't know. <laughs> I love the guy. It's, Tim, uh, yeah. Heidecker. Tim Heidecker. Tim yeah. Heidecker. Yeah, Tim Heidecker of Tim, Tim and Eric. Yeah, Tim Heidecker. I'm writing that down. Tim like, and Eric. Tim awesome and Eric, show. Tim Heidegger. That one, yeah. He puts out records and they're great. They're really wow. good. All right. Okay. I'll Frank, out, man. All great right, cool. answer. Check that out. Love you, buddy. I'm going Thanks, to Frank. unmute Mr. Brian Domingos. Real quick, shout out to Randy Andrews who dropped in on his vacation. Well, he's in Washington. I don't know if he moved to Washington or he's just on vacation. Oh. Uh, but he just wanted to check in and say hi. Don't breathe hi, the air, Randy. buddy. It's, it's pretty smoky out there right now, so be careful. Yeah, it's bad news. Yeah, bad news. Mr. Brian Domingos, oh. how are you today, sir? Good. What's going on, guys? We're chilling. We're talking. Awesome. We're talking nerd shit. I love your. Uh, I love your Zoom handle, McMingo. Thanks. It's it's a uh, it's a mix of my wife's last name and my last name. Oh, so nice. That's, oh, okay. That, that's how we. That that is how our Christmas card uh, looks. I'll send one to the Ziggurat this year. Please do. Oh, very um, good. Please do. I can't give you the address, but you'll figure it out. I've got it. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I, I know everything. Um, the, 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 you know, the inner circle, they got it. Yeah, yeah, they know what's up. The inner circle. I, I, I've sent you guys a lot of um, old uh, wizards, so I have, I have an address. It's true. Um, my old musty wizards, um, <laughs> which, which is my, uh, my GM name, old musty wizards. Um, <clears throat> I'm just kidding. Those, uh, all those nerds uh, torturing that poor boy who just wanted to pretend to play D&D is just insulting and yeah. terrible and um you know it's like if they're at the skate park for the first time with a skateboard and someone's like um you're not doing that right it's like why don't you give them an hour 
to see how he does on that skateboard before you start critiquing his play. I don't know, man. Yeah. Just rules at um, skate parks. All I got to say, bro, get off my pipe. Yeah, I know. I'm but trying you know, to shred here, dude. <laughs> um, so the um, the the quick uh, question of the week answer, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil a movie that I don't think a lot of people saw back in um, I don't know when it came out February, but the end of uh, the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey movie, uh, the death of Black Mask is hilarious and um, totally yes. warranted and um, worth watching the entire movie for. It's great. Um, <laughs> yes, it, it was well done. I, I will give the because death of Black Mask was fun. It's unexpected and way more gruesome than you would think it's going to be. Um, which is funny, oh, but, yeah. um, the, um, I, I heard you guys talking about Bendis and the Superman books and, um, the solicitations for DC this week, um, that came out yesterday, um, looked pretty great. Um, the, uh, that endless, I like that endless winter is, has a, um, I don't know, it's like a seven or eight part mini series that takes place in one month. So it's not actually endless, which yeah, I appreciate. And it's an actual crossover. Like they used to do in the old days where it's, uh, Part one here, part two there, part three there. Who all's in that? I, yeah, didn't, even see, I didn't even see the endless winter thing. Who all's in it? It's um, it's some sort of um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Final Night a little bit because it's like everything is like icy. That's I don't know what the actual That's is. where I went it's, exactly when you said it's a wintry uh, thing. Something about the Frost King, like Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman's ancient enemy, the Frost King, the Ice King from like Adventure that. Time shows up. <laughs> They'll yeah, sure yeah. They, it's know. all Warner Brothers. They'll do it. Yeah, uh, but totally. the whole the whole miniseries or crossovers is co-written by Andy Landing and Ron Mars, which is pretty cool. Oh neat. Um so they're doing each issue, um, like they're writing the Aquaman issue and the Flash issue and um with the regular book artists, which is kind of cool. So it's like this it'll be a nice little compact thing. Um because we've seen what happens when you know death metal. Huh. spawns into 15 different one shots and all these other things speaking of um, which everybody is gushing about that death metal cover that is coming and i uh, i can't remember who's the artist on it joe gary, gary frank. frank gary frank and it's beautiful it's an incredible cover lovely has nothing to do with the nonsense that is happening in death metal <laughs> well but it might have something to do with that particular story uh which by the way oh, it's an anthology story uh, and something that kind of got buried in all of this is that it is the f- return of Mark Wade. What? To DC for the first time since like 2008. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Um, maybe Mark I, Wade. I mean, it's it's, it's an anthology. Superman. So he was just doing the one story, but maybe he takes over Superman next. Who knows? That's a speculation. Look, don't um, you tempt me with a good time. You could give Mark I, Wade Superman. I, I'd be fine with it. I like the, um, I thought that cover was very cool. I've looked at it a lot, um, like a lot, a lot. And then I realized that there's only one flash on it, which was interesting. Like there's it not even a barrier on it. Well, but it's also like, it. it's kind of, um, it's locked in a very specific, it's like a time capsule. Yeah. Like you, you've got the JSA, you've got the golden age JSA on the left. And then it, you know, as you scroll to the right, it's like, okay, here's Superman and Batman. But then it's the Justice League International. Yeah. Old school Doom with Patrol. With Black Canary in her shitty 80s outfit. Yeah. And you've got the old school uh, Doom Patrol there and like. Yeah. And then that, that's where it ends. So I don't really know what's going on there. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was very exciting. But also the um, there weren't any flashes there. But Joe, I don't know if you read this week's um, Flash issue, which has um, more flashes than you 
couldn't dream of. Um, Ooh, I haven't yet, but I'm excited. That's all I got to say um, to get Joe's nipples to perk up. It's, <laughs> all the <it's>, flashes. <laughs> like, it's like the, the previous one ended with um, Barry and his flashes and then against the Legion of Zoom. So uh-huh. Zoom has like all of the rogues and all these like super bad guys. And then Barry and, and Max Mercury and Impulse and um, Jay Garrick and all that stuff. And then Max goes and meditates and calls in back up and you turn the page and it's like, oh, there's that guy and that guy and that guy and that guy. And it's, it's narrating the, the, the bookends, uh, you know, the end cap of the issue is John Fox and his like kid flash, um, in the distant future. And, oh, um, it's pretty great. It's, it's very exciting. So, um, I'm hoping that Joshua Williamson on a way out fixes Wally West because yeah, that would be he seems nice. to be leaning that way. Um, cause uh, you know what? I, I love John Fox. He is the shittiest dude. <laughs> He's a, he's a bad dude, but it's it's fun to see him like pop up. Like, don't rely on him. But You're right, like I to, like like I think when he moved on and and joined the DC uh, the Justice League one million, you know, he was like much more mature. But like when John Fox first shows up in uh, Mark Wade's run in the nineties, he immediately tries to steal Wally's wife. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> she was pretty I hot. I mean, gone. come on, you know, like she's good looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like wally wally's bouncing through the time stream and john fox is like well your husband your boyfriend's gone i mean we might as well get it on i mean he was gone yeah. come on and that also <laughs> not cheating if your boyfriend's in the time stream it's not cheating it's like being in a different zip code or yeah. area code or right? camping no no you can be in a different zip code area but if you're camping it doesn't count it's not cheating oh camping okay. yeah camping <laughs> i can't get i don't know i can't keep track of yeah the rules. if you're in a public restroom not cheating all right it's like different thing huh Oh, yeah. Okay. There's rules. I'm just saying. There's rules. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's com- this complex. I yeah, don't know. yeah. 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 I'm, I'm like Quark with my rules of acquisition, but they're all like weird sex based. <laughs> I, I have a feeling none of your rules are going to hold up in a court of law. I have a feeling. Yeah, be like, no. who, yeah. who wrote this down? Who's I don't recognize this? these fascist courts of law. <laughs> so I mean, that's not not a problem for me. Like, it's just, right. honor. just I do not recognize don't li- don't listen this to fascist court or their laws. <laughs> and then yeah. I'm free to go as, as far as I understand it. I just plead the fifth and yeah. just leave. So you uh, grab the mic, your honor. It's totally fine. And yep. I was like, no, it's not fine. <laughs> like, no, no, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. Then I switched yeah. to my, it wasn't me defense. That's the other one that I have. So it's, <laughs> where did that guy go? Oh, he's gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's out of here. It doesn't care. It's, it's uh, a it's the, shaped hole in the wall. Yeah. The, the time honored uh, family circus defense. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it was, not me. Yeah, wasn't me. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you <laughs> it's the the ghost of my dead grandfather or whatever the hell they got going on in that comic strip. Uh, what if Mark Wade takes over the Flash after Joshua Williamson leaves? No, come on, listen. Uh, we've Duh. seen that before. Do you remember? We we we. I, it took me I don't know twelve years of healing to accept Wally's children again. Like I I don't I can't go through that again. He yeah I mean he did that that quick return after John uh, Jeff Johns left and it was. A really awful era. It and sucked. It, it, <laughs> it sucked so, so bad. bad. And, um, so I don't want that. He's done his flash thing. Go, go do Superman with I don't know Brian Hitch or something. Like go do it. So fair enough. Yeah. Like look, Mark Wade's whole deal about leaving DC is that, um, first of all, they tried. He and Morrison and Tom Pyre and Mark Miller pitched a takeover of the Superman books in the late nineties. Right. And it was the Dio was around at the time. Poo pooed it, didn't he? 
um, I don't know if he was in charge, but they did like, not get along though. We know that they didn't go for it. Um, but like D- Dan DiDio was the main reason Mark Wade uh, stayed away from DC for so long. And now Dan DiDio is gone. Yeah. They publicly cut his head off. So now that he's dead, Mark Wade can come. I don't know. Get a job. Maybe he can be the Dan new Dan DiDio. Dan exists as a computer program in the reboot universe. He's just oh, off the Oh, right. He got uploaded. Right. He's actually yeah. working he on something yeah. with Ron Mars right now, I think. I think DiDio and Mars are working on something uh, as part of that IDW spinoff thing. No, I'm sorry, not IDW spinoff, but the thing that the CEO of IDW is leaving to do. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. It's, oh. I can't remember what it was called. What um, but yeah, him the, um, working with Mars on something. So good for him. I'm glad he's working. I, I'm glad he's so, gone, but I'm also glad he's working. <laughs> that, that Wade Morrison, um, Mark Miller thing, um, has, you know, that's like, it's not folklore, but it's like, you know, what could that have been? Um, but on, I learned this on Jason Sachs's, um, podcast that when he interviewed Tom uh, Payer recently, that, uh, Payer actually had nothing to do with it. They just put his name on it. Oh, really? <laughs> So he was like, yeah, like, you know, it's like he bounced, they bounce ideas off him. But he's like, I really wasn't part of the group, but like they, they knew nice Payer well enough on. that they were like, he won't be pissed if we put his name on it. He'll be fine. Yeah. That's, which is, that's which pretty is funny. Because <laughs> it was like 20 years of like, no, 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 this is the story. And then I, I don't know when yes. the episode's from maybe six months ago. And he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, no, no, they were nice to me. Just like um, when I say, like, yeah, Joe's going to do it too. And I haven't even like brought it up to Joe. And, right, right. I, I know I'm going to scream at him until he goes. Over the years. Let me tell you. Yeah, the only thing I know, the only I think the only thing I remember about like what their big idea was was um the world was going to forget that Clark and Lois were married. Including Lois. Like it's not that it never happened or that they weren't married. It's that like something happened. The devil eats their marriage? No. Like Spider-Man um, style? I, I don't I don't know, That's you know. That's a pretty original idea. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, like one of the main thrusts of it was going to be like, my wife doesn't remember who I am. You know, she doesn't remember that she's my wife. What, what's happening? Is there a DC continuity that already exists where they're not married and she doesn't know he's Superman? Um, uh, like a current existing thing? Yeah, like anything like that? Like, is there anything... Because now that we're doing, we're opening the door with the generation shit. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I guess in the new 50, well, no, because his, I mean, we, his identity got thing. outed in the new 52, too. Damon Chan just said Superman in, one more day. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I think saying. in the the Flash issue that I was talking about, I think they've mentioned hypertime a couple times. And um, Ooh. Ooh. I don't know. Was that in Dark Knight's Metal, maybe? But like, there's, it's been, a, they've said the words, it's been around. So, um, and that's like the free for all button, like anything goes, which sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. like let's do it. Like, why not? Like DC, DC will make up a timeline to fit their needs. It's I not suppose. like we have to have some established thing. Already. No, I just didn't know if there was one that I couldn't think of or something like that. Uh, well, I think like if you, if you look at, if you look back at all of the past timelines that we've had up until now, pre-crisis, she eventually finds out they get married post-crisis. They get married. Yeah. New 52, he gets outed by Jimmy Olsen or whatever the hell happened. Right. No, it was Lois, that bitch. <laughs> um, and he was like, marry me, you bitch. 
And she's like, I do, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) No, they both, Clark and Lois in that universe just like dissipated. Yeah, they, they they never they almost like they never were like it, it, when the new yeah, fifty two started. She was dating some other dude. Oh, that's right. There was like he was like a redhead dude with like a beard and he was goatee. like a handsome. He was a handsome McBlonde face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like a but, cyclops from the Superman Returns movie or whatever. Right. Oh, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. When but she yeah, married Cyclops at the end of the, <laughs> the, the new fifty two, they just both like burnt out, and then Lois took over, like regular Lois, our Lois took over the new 52's like office. And then Superman just showed up and was like, Oh, I'm Superman. And, um, (laughs) which is weird because you know, the other, like Batman's not his Batman. It's the other Batman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the way that they, the way that they just like shoehorned in the classic Superman into the new 52 and they were like, this is what you want, right? Yes. They had one, they had it, one awkward Dan Jurgens miniseries, like massa- yeah, yeah, like forcibly massaging this thing into the you know technically the spots and- technically yes, this is what I wanted. Uh, <laughs> and then they had to have a storyline where Mister Mixius Pitalik rewrites the time stream to make it make sense. You gotta love it. Yes. So everything goes. Everything. Yeah, it's all it's all Jesus. Yeah, they'll figure it out. They'll massage it like they do. Brian, it is excellent to talk to you. Somebody's trying to call in, so I'm going to open this phone line so they can get in here. Yeah, have a good day, guys. It's always good to talk to you, brother. Uh, Yeah, Mark Wade. I did not know he was coming back. That's kind of exciting, right? Yeah, I mean, so far it's just been this one one short story, but um, hopefully it leads to something else. That would be neato. Um, Someone was trying to call. The phone line is open, 402-819. Four eight nine four. Call me now. Well, I saw Pflom here for a second. Yeah, he he jumped back in with his video, so I had to unvideo him. Son well, of a bitch, he's a good looking guy. Don't get me wrong, real good looking guy. While we're waiting for them to call back, let's see what Jason Sachs has for us. He has his hands up. I think he heard his name called. He's like, "Ooh, that's me. That's me." Oh yeah, <laughs> Jason Sachs. How are you, sir? I heard my I heard my name as I'm doing a million other things. You online have a Google alert, don't you? Or like someone said, Jason Sachs. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, Tom Pyre was on my pod at the uh, around Christmas time last year. Oh, fun! Um, I before, love that guy. Before the apocalypse, he's a great guy. I just had so much fun talking with him. Um, hello from from the end of the world. Yeah, I'm looking out my window. Yeah, and like there's this haze over my house that's like dark and and just feels like like the world is going to come to an end. Yeah. Like California has fully burnt. There's nothing left. So now it's had to burn North, right? It just, it just continues going North. <laughs> yeah. We're actually like in a really safe little Island here, but you can taste it. Yeah. Taste it in the air. Yeah. The funny thing is it's oh. going to get to Canada and Canada is just going to like use their, you know, their elven fairy magic and go, there you go. We put it out. Sorry. America, it's all fine. You yeah, well, actually, bitches, America. Ago, we Why can't fire- you figure this out? <laughs> Two years ago, we had fires from Canada that, that uh, blew that's, down here. So they, they give them their stuff. They yeah, their stuff as well. Uh, God, it's early, isn't it? Um, how's it going? Good. Almost, almost noon here, buddy. Real good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you're on fire, but I'm glad you're on an island. That's a good news. So yeah, yeah, we're in the we're in the decent island. Um, best on screen deaths. It has to be the deaths in in uh, Logan, doesn't it? Mm. For superhero deaths, I mean, it's like the ultimate. Bo- both um, 
I can't say Both that Magneto th- and Wolverine have th- to have like the, they're like the perfect death for those characters. Well, and the death of Professor know, X hit me pretty hard too. I like I I liked it. I mean, even though he was killed by uh, the I I Wolverine or whatever his name is. <laughs> what was the What's the robot Wolverine that's been running around? What's his real name? It's like Timothy Albert. Albert yeah, even yeah, though Albert. even though Albert <laughs> killed him, like it's still the death of Professor X in that movie definitely got me. And the way Wolverine dies, saving the kid at the yeah. end. I mean, this is just like a perfect character scene. Yeah, it really is. I haven't seen Logan in too long. I need to revisit that movie. It is a great movie. It really is. Uh, I wonder if it's too grim for this time. Like I was watching The Boys earlier. I know Chris was posting about The Boys in the chat. Yeah. And yeah. like, I actually had trouble watching it. I mean, I know I was talking about Same like, here. It just feels so out of step for the way the world is these days. I, I want something lighter. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I binged three episodes of it last night and uh yes it is it's grim and it's gross but it's like a different grim and gross so it was okay for me you know like it's like <laughs> i like oh yeah i would rather look at that grim and gross than the regular grim and gross that we're in um i do have to say watching this somebody said like okay and i can't remember who it was somebody on twitter is like I love the boys. It's great. Can we all agree we're done with evil Superman stories? Cause I just can't handle mm-hmm. it right now. Mm-hmm. Watching the boys makes me want to see watch like a screen version of irredeemable. So bad. So bad. I guess, I guess so much of the boys is just so cringy. Yeah. I mean, it's supposed yeah. to be, you know, I just get I mean, tired of sitting in my chair and different. cringing. Yeah. Irredeemable wasn't necessarily cringy. It was a different type of story, but I would really like to see it. The boys is supposed to be cringy. It's supposed to be full on. That's what the gore is over the top. It's supposed to be gross. And I love it. I completely love it. Yeah. But I mean, I totally understand where Jason's coming from. Like I've only been able to make myself watch two episodes so far uh, just because like I wasn't in the right headspace for it. Like last year when season one came out, I was like, yeah, bring it on. This is great. You know, I had fun with it. It was over the top. It was funny. And I watched the first two episodes of this season with everything going on and, and, you know, and it's just like, this is just too much. It's too much. Um, And I understand, like, it's not the show's fault. It's, it is what it is. It it is what it's always been. You guys are sweet, sweet babies. I just think like, yeah, like personally, I'm I'm sensitive and I'm dead inside. Like there's a a rock where my heart used to be. (laughs) Like on a, on a personal level right now, I, I want, I want is comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, and the boys is anything but comforting. See, like I thought Umbrella Academy was actually like great comfort food because like they, they, yeah. they confront the, the evils they have to deal with and they actually deal with them. Yeah. Like they take action there. There's something about them being heroic despite themselves. It was a lot more entertaining to me. Well, they Plus, also I love all the time twisty shit and, that, and everything. They also did a lot of things with the where the characters got to deal with their own issues being in a different place and living a different life as well, which mm-hmm. we didn't really didn't get to see in the first season, you know, like they were just messed up doing their thing and, and, and they almost succeeded despite the fact they're messed up. Now they all got to like look at themselves and their personalities completely removed from each other in a different time even and explore who they were and come out better characters even. Well, and you know, an umbrella Academy season two, it wasn't, dealing with light themes either no, it was not know, at all war and holocaust and racial issues and gay and lesbian issues 
and all like all of this prejudice stuff on top of like the you know Klaus formed a cult right yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you know number five is a weird little bastard yeah like, <laughs> it's a weird and, little bastard. And, like I love that kid man I love him oh oh he's great and uh, yeah, it's just like it was different. That tonally, tonally, it was different, and I found it more welcoming. Yeah, I mean, like the boys is a story of you know one good character surrounded by a bunch of assholes that are mad because they want to take down the bigger assholes that are secretly like awful. <laughs> so uh-huh. I mean, it's yeah. not a it's not a feel good story by any means, but that's what you get when you read Garth Ennis. He doesn't write love stories, you know. Uh, I will say though that um I did really love the addition uh, so I mean no huge spoilers because I'm only two episodes in. Um I really did love the addition of Aya Cash as Stormfront. Yeah. Um yeah. and especially like her attitude towards uh Homelander and the Seven and the company. I thought I was gonna hate and, it. And and what she says to uh Starlight. Yeah. Um, you know, about like it's like be in this for yourself. Fuck everybody else. Yeah. Don't don't let them make you into what you don't want to be. Well, she was also like, like, oh, you know what happens to me if someone sticks a D in my mouth? I'm biting a D. You know, like, uh-huh. right. like yeah, yeah. whoa, <laughs> like damn. Um, and and then we also got the most unexpected cameo appearance by Patton Oswalt of maybe his entire career. That was so. That was like the sweetest moment. <laughs> Like, yeah. It was such a sweet yes. moment. Let's call it sweet. Yes, it was. <laughs> he's like singing, like you are so beautiful to me, and he's holding his gills and singing back to them, like I'm okay. Oh, that's so crazy. Like and like the sad part is he found like who he is and that he's all right through this really sick like Scientology, Scientology. church more or less. <laughs> and he like shows up and like spouts like some religious sit and they're like oh god you're in the church or whatever like instantly and he's like well wait <laughs> like, Fresca is their Kool-Aid yeah. uh, would you like a Fresca? <laughs> Yeah, it's that, I, that I, part. Like that part, I love the style of the wow. show, though, and like the soundtrack is wonderful. I, I'm really, really enjoying it. I do have to say, there is a part of me that feels gross that Dynamite is still making money off of this because uh-huh. Dynamite Comics uh-huh. is gross. They're gross, and I'm not saying that I think Garth Ennis is a bad guy. I don't know how the rights are tied up, if there's contracts or whatnot. I don't know if he can just take it and go, but I kind of wish he would. Garth Ennis owns the boys, not Dynamite. Right. Dynamite has the publishing rights, so for all we know, Dynamite doesn't see a dime. They are definitely seeing a dime. They're absolutely seeing a dime. But why would they? Because they're publishing. I think that's a good point, Joe. I think. They they may get a little bit from it, yeah. But it's a completely cell phone property because when he took it to Dynamite, I, I'm sure that was part of the deal. I'm sure they don't anywhere with it. My they question don't is, own if, a stake in the boys. Why can't they? Might know? only make money from the sales of the graphic novel. That's what I'm saying. It, like they are definitely making sales and reprints. But why doesn't he take it and leave? In light of what's going on, if he you owns know, a contract, why doesn't he pull maybe. the ripcord? Yeah, he might be under contract. Like nobody, I guess nobody really even knows where Garth Ennis's head is with all that Comics Gate stuff. And maybe he doesn't pay any attention to it. I don't think it's something that he is really like. Garth, I've never really known Garth Ennis to be a creator that engages in industry issues. No, no, maybe I'm wrong about that. But Garth Ennis has always seemed to me 
to be the sort of creator that does what he wants. And that's about all he's interested in. He's also a dude that I don't think is on social media. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how so, would he not know about this? Someone's got to have talked to him about it. Yeah. I mean, there are weirdos yeah. like Jay Lee that live in a tree and draw their art and mail it out, you know, like, and yeah, he I, legit didn't know and didn't care and was like, fuck off, leave me alone. I'm a hermit. You know, I get that. But there's also even, levels like, all right, now you do know. Now sure, you do right. know, Jay. Yeah. Are you yeah. going to continue to do it? You know, so like, like, I'm not, I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm not going to condemn the show for its. I'm not either. For the source materials affiliations. I'm not either, but there is a part of me that feels. Come on, Garth, take it to Image. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, look, take it to Dark Horse. They're in trouble. If you want to throw Dark Horse a bone, will you? Poor guys. So, all right, look, there's here's where I come down, down on it. Like, too, but that's a whole different. That's story. true. That's true. Don't take it to Dark Horse right now. Wait till the fires are out. Yeah. Nobody, nobody boycotted any DC movie project because DC and Warner Brothers continued to employ Eddie Berganza. And I'm not saying boycott. And I agree with that. Like, it's like it, there, there are publishers are going to do shitty stuff. And, you know, your mileage is going to vary on, of course. on how you want to handle it. Of course. Uh, so, like, I'm like, I don't think about dynamite at all when I watch the boys. Fair enough. That's just where I'm at. Like, because it's, when I think of the boys, I think of Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson, the end. Okay, see, now I do have friends that don't read comics, have watched the boys, really like it, and said, should I read the comic? And part of me is like, yeah, by all means. It's, it's a great fucking comic book. It's excellent. But that means they're going to go throw money at Dynamite Comics to buy those reprints. And you can buy them on Humble Bundle usually. Yeah, it comes that's up true. like every month. Give all your money to charity. You still get the the books for free. Ah, that's true. Yes, that's true. As a matter of fact, we got an email. We got a voicemail from our friend Black Scorpion the Three, and he says, "Quick note: There are a ton of comics on Humble Bundle right now. You can get the first few volumes of the Boys for a dollar. There you go. If you pay fifteen dollars, you get twenty six volumes. You can choose." Where your money goes, you can direct it all to charity instead of Dynamite Comics. That's exactly. fantastic. There you go. So that's how you do it. That and that and I'm 100 percent behind that. That's great. There is just part of me that wishes Grant Morrison or Grant Morrison, pardon me, the creators would just take it and say, "I don't want to be a part of this." Thanks. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> uh, well, I hate to be the uh, the Scrooge McDuck in this uh, of this party, but I got to get going. Yeah, so Jason. Good to talk to you, up. brother. Thanks, guys. See you later. Uh, stay Bye, on the Jason, island. Thank you. Don't go to the mainland. Stay on the island. And if you see anyone bringing fire across in a boat, shoot them down. All right, let's get to these voicemails. See what we got here. Nerds, I don't trust my, my answer for the, the question of the week. My favorite comic death is the depiction of Executioner in the pages of Thor. So I got really excited when it happened on Thor Ragnarok. But was it actually a good on-screen depiction of his death? I don't know. I just know that I geeked out when I saw it happen. So maybe you can <laughs> tell me whether it's good, <laughs> good or not. It was fine. What I really it wanted to call on was uh, uh, to follow up on your Ask a Nerd advice on how to get into Star Trek. My advice is pick a handful of next-gen ep- episodes. Just put them on in the background. You don't have to pay a whole lot of attention. Just get a feel for the characters and stuff, and then, bam, watch Star Trek First Contact. You need to get the route to Star Trek First Contact quickly and then that'll have you hooked um everything else just seems better after you watch uh, star trek first contact and somebody who saw it at the theater i can tell you that i went to the theater with some people who'd never watched star trek before and they were suddenly invested in these characters so that's a good route i'm going to talk about something else though 
if you want to go the comic route, Joe and Matt, I've never heard you review this, and, and please hold your laughter in case you think it's bad. But John Byrne had released, like, for six years for IDW, a series called Star Trek New Visions. It was so good. And it's this it was uh, so photo good. novel uh, um, approach where he takes old still images of William Shatner and, and, and Spock and stuff, and, and he just pastes those images on and then writes a story for what they're doing. And he just cranked these issues out, <clears throat> and they're good. They're all, like, self-contained stories. You read an issue, you have a whole story done, and... They're good. They feel like, I don't know, like you've gone on a journey and had a complete story told. And I recommend them. I, I don't think they have any resale value, so you can probably pick them up on the cheap. Uh, but Star Trek New Visions is great. Now, as an aside, I should say, I know John Byrne is a huge jerk. I don't know if he's been canceled for anything. So if this so. is a bad recommendation for that reason, please let me know. But I, I would recommend Star Trek New Visions otherwise. Okay, that's it for me. Other than that, you should know Humble Bundle has The Boys Volume 1 and 2 and Project Superpowers on sale for $1. And if you pay 15 bucks, you get like 18 volumes of Project Superpowers and The Boys issues. So that's all. Have a good weekend, nerds. Bye. He's absolutely right. It sounds so dumb when you, when you say it, when you describe it as John Byrne taking a bunch of pictures and stills from the show and writing a story. They're fucking great. They were so good. I don't believe you. <laughs> They're really good. They seriously I don't are. believe you. I'll go beyond that. He did a bunch of IDW Star Trek work. And it wasn't just John Byrne. This was like, uh, you know, Tipton and those guys came on early as well, working with Byrne. All of it is great. And you can get these big IDW Star Wars, or pardon me, Star Trek digests. They're fantastic reads. I love them. I personally own like four of them. They're fucking great. Uh, John Byrne never canceled. He's just an asshole. Yeah, yeah, I, he's just I an just, asshole. yeah, I think he's just a curmudgeon. There's nothing wrong with being an asshole. You can be an asshole. That's fine. And he he owns it. Good for him. You know, he does own it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Next up, who do we got here? We got Jimmy Randall. Jimmy Randall. Hey, oh, dudes. He says, make some fart noises. Hello, THN, my old friend. <laughs> it's time to send an MP3 again. That's what beautiful. up, dudes? Jimmy Randall, here's my answer to question of the week. Which comic book character had the best on-screen death? Well, you guys remember a little movie from a while back called Logan? Because if you haven't seen it, like, I'm going to talk spoilers. <laughs> Shut up. It has to be the best comic book character, best on-screen death, has to be Wolverine finally understanding what death feels like. Now, now I'm an emotional guy, right? Like, I cry at The Bachelorette. I cry when my car is nearly out of gas. I cried when I saw the statue of Michelangelo's David in real life. I had snot coming out of my nose when Cap picked up Mjolnir, like, you know, big heaving sobs. <laughs> but you know what? I didn't cry when Wolverine died. All right, perhaps I shed a single solitary tear, but it was a manly one, damn it. And it was just like Logan would have wanted. I didn't cry, okay? I didn't cry when Logan died. I just, I sat there in the dark and I clenched my butthole and I gripped my teeth and my butthole grit its teeth and we both seethed in pain together as one, my butthole and me. But you know what, guys? With that death, mainly I was surprised. I was amazed. I was amazed that a goddamn superhero franchise could have so much depth and nuance and substance. I was amazed that it could make me feel like this. A goddamn superhero movie. And, you know, there was that little connective thread too. Like, it was a sh one of those really shitty Wolverine movies. There was a few of them. But the one with the silver samurai, uh, memory's hazy. I don't remember much of it. But it was fine. Was it was fine. You'll, you're going to die, Logan. 
holding your own heart in your hands. And when Logan passes, he's holding Laura's hand. Like, X-23, dude. Like, it's not exactly his daughter, but come on, man. Like, it, it's one of those things. Like, you know, she may have been your clone, but Logan, you were her daddy. <laughs> oh, shit. I think I'm finally ready to cry for Logan. <laughs> Thanks for the emotional trauma, you jerks. Bye. <laughs> There was a lot of information about a, Jim's butthole. It has, yeah, two, it has two votes for Logan, huh? Yeah, that Logan death is fantastic, though. Man. Ooh. Yeah, wait, it's a great movie. Yeah. And, uh, you know, James Mangold, uh, who did the who did Logan, he also did the second one, which was just called The Wolverine. Yeah, um, it was fine. It's, it's an okay movie. It's yeah. miles better than the first one. Yeah. Uh, which I feel like I'm, I want to revisit just for fun. It's garbage. I know. It's garbage. And, you know, sometimes that's fun, though. Like, I like to watch bad movies sometimes. Casey and I watched um, it. Actually, I've got, we need to post our, our review of Wolverine Origins. She yeah. hated it. <laughs> the hated thing about it. Wolverine Origins is that there are things about it that I like. Like, I really like how they treated Gambit. I don't uh, at all. I hated it. You just don't like Gambit. I don't like Gambit, period. But the you liked how he flew around with his staff like it was a helicopter? Did you like that part? Sure, it's generating kinetic energy. What no, 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 no. Generating kinetic energy means it shoots stuff. Doesn't mean you spin it really fast and you fly like Inspector Gadget with the fucking helicopter thing coming out of your head. Nope. Matt, it's, it's movie mutant magic. I'm not going to nitpick it on that level. Dumb. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um... You know, I liked, uh, despite myself, I kind of liked Will I Am <laughs> as John Wraith. Oh, please. Uh, but, you know, it, it, like, yeah, it's bad. It's you a bad movie. I you get need it. to revisit that movie. I know. I look, I'm, I didn't say it was good. I'm <laughs> fully admitting that it's a bad movie it that I want to watch just bad. for fun. Um, like, there are no stakes anymore. The fate of the franchise doesn't rest on it. Like, I can watch the Wolverine movie and 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 just enjoy it. For pure silliness factor. The fun part of it is like, so we're watching, like we've been doing these in chronological order, if you will. Uh -huh. And there is no chronological order. No. Whatsoever. And you can see them trying it in this movie. You're going to be like, oh yeah, but this happened before. Wolverine totally freed the X-Kids. And, and that's totally how they met Professor X. No, because you like two movies later, you shit all over that. <laughs> right. Because then first class came out, right? right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, all right. So no. he frees all these mutants from the prison and there's an obvious that's obviously Cyclops. Well, and that's obviously Emma Frost. Right. And obviously Storm is there. And like, I mean, oh, is she? Oh, I yeah. Forget. I don't remember that. She is uh, right there. But yeah, but then yeah, first class comes out, and not only do they, have, do they not know who Emma Frost is, but Cyclops and Storm are nowhere to be found. Right, and Emma, I guess, is thirty-five years older than yes, everybody. And, <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> garbage. All right, let's move on. Just garbage. Okay, we got a couple of voicemails here. JD got a catch. Hit us early. Uh, thank you one last time to Jimbo Jones the Third. That's how he signed his email. <laughs> Jimbo Jones the Third, huh? Uh huh. Yeah. Morning, gents. It's JD Got a Catch. Sorry, I can't call in live. Um, out on missionary work for the lake house. So, uh, sorry, call and leave a message. Uh, give my answer of the week. Um, so, best on screen hero death. I'm saying hero because it's not a superhero for my answer. I'm kind of going into the sci fi TV realm. Uh, 
So there was a spinoff of Doctor Who called Torchwood. I'm not sure if you guys Fuck yes. yeah. have seen it or are familiar, but it starts the John Barrowman character and Captain Jack Harkness. The face and of Bob. At the beginning of that show, um, when we're kind of meeting the Torchwood crew, there's a character named Dianto. And at the beginning, he's just kind of this cinnamon roll of a guy in these really fancy suits, but he's kind of a kind of a doofus, and he just he just makes the tea and orders pizzas. And by the uh, end of the show, or the third, I think it's the third or fourth season, when they started making the seasons events, he's like their full-on logistics guy, and also has the uh, added uh, Captain Jack Harkness. So uh, that's always fun. But um, when the episode in which Yanto dies um, is one of the few episodes of television that I watched, and I, I will skip that episode every time it comes back on, because, yeah, his, that, no, <laughs> that, that, that death was heart-wrenching. That was a and, good one. Uh, that was an amazing I one. mean, if you could just... I mean, just do a Google search and look for the scene when in which he died. I can't even really describe it because it's so heart-wrenching, but especially in relationship to, you know, being the love interest of a character who can, who literally cannot die in Captain Jack. I mean, he's uh, functionally immortal. Uh, that's kind of his, his shtick. But... Uh, so, that's my answer. Is Yanto from Torchwood... Uh, I don't know if it counts superhero death, but it was definitely a riveting and heart-wrenching piece of uh, TV uh, storytelling, and I hope you guys uh, check it out sometime. All right, well, I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Lived it. Don't need to check it out. I've Thanks, lived Judy. it. Torchwood was a wonderful show. It died too early. Yeah, I only I only got into it a little bit, uh, but I do love that universe. I love Doctor Who. I love Captain Jack. It was on sci-fi um, here in the States, wasn't it? Because this was all pre like BBC America. I think we got it on Sci-Fi. Uh, you know, I don't remember. Um, it wasn't pre BBC America because it was a spinoff of the Doctor Who relaunch, which was on BBC America. Um, yeah, I suppose that's true. Hey guys, James Kaplan, just calling in. Uh, I don't really have an answer for this week's question of the week, but I just wanted to call and say hello, see what you guys were up to. Um, let's see, comics wise, uh, recently I have read some really good stuff. I read. Uh, the collection of um, Joe Hill, Basket Full of Heads, the new uh, the DC Black Label book. I actually wrote about it at Panel Patter. Um, really fun, really entertaining, uh, excellent story. I could totally see them making it into a movie. Um, I also read, and I definitely recommend, the uh, Tom Scioli, Jack Kirby biography. That was really fun. And, you know, I can't really imagine, like, a better person than Tom Scioli to have done uh, a, a Jack Kirby book. Uh, otherwise, you know, I've actually been enjoying Empire or Empire or whatever. I thought that was actually a really good event. And this week, this week had a few issues that like um, were actually nice sort of epilogues or whatever to, to that. And um, yeah, no, I don't know. Um, anyway, I haven't uh, seen too much recently because of course we can't go to the theaters. And frankly, I'm, I'm not going to be the, uh, I'm not going to be the canary in the coal mine and go go to the movie theaters right now. I don't feel comfortable doing that. So uh, I'm frankly just hoping that at some point Marvel decides to just uh, release um, uh, Black Widow in the same way that they're going to release um, that they did with Mulan. But uh, we'll see. Anyway, yeah. uh, take care. Hope you guys are well. Bye. Uh, I want to go see Tenant. 
so bad. I can't do it. I can't make myself do it. No, I'm not going to go to a theater. Yeah, um, I'm not doing it. Yeah, I wish that there was a, I wish we had like a theater here that was doing a drive-in thing like I've seen in yeah. other cities. Yeah. Um, and I know that, I know that some of them can do it. Some of them have the wall space on the outside. to Sure. Do it. Absolutely. You're telling me like these huge mega theaters with these gigantic parking lots couldn't figure it out. Come right. on. Bullshit. Yeah, like I know that the Twin Creek uh, Theater in Bellevue did it a couple times, but they were showing older movies. Yeah. Um, it's like, look, get this figured out. I will come, I will buy a regular ass ticket. Totally. No I will problem. drive up to the door to get my popcorn or whatever. It'd be fun as hell. And I will sit in my air-conditioned car with my wife and watch a movie. Or hang out of the back of your car or whatever, you know? Or yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, but he just yeah, like, sort of glanced over the fact that he writes for a site called Panel Patter, which is really good. And yeah. we'll put a link to it in the show notes. I just dropped the link in our notes. So this is me reminding me to remind you to do that. Uh, also, earlier, we talked about that Humble Bundle. We'll have a link to that as well, because some people asked right after we got done recording. Like, can you link to that? But uh, Basketful of Heads, I got to catch up on that. That was a great book that I fell off. I just totally um, fell off. On yeah, it. you know, I fell off it too, but I don't think it matters anymore because I don't think there's anything coming out from Hill House anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think Hill House was completely scrapped. I think it's gone. Uh, which is a shame because some of those books were really great. Yeah. Um, Basketful of Heads was by far my favorite. Uh, what was the uh, one, the Undersea one? I can't say now. It wasn't called The Deep. It was called... Uh, I don't remember. Oh, uh, I can't say it. It was really good. I read the first four issues. I'm like, this is great. And then I stopped reading it. Plunge. It was plunge. 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 That was it. Really, really good. Um, I also liked the dollhouse family. It was this weird, like super high concept vertigo, really good horror uh, stuff, feeling stuff. But yeah, I, I miss Hill house comics. I think that they were doing some great, some great things. Do we know that it's scrapped? Is it gone? I haven't heard anything definitive, but I mean, I can't remember the last time I saw one of the books on the list. Yeah. I didn't see anything in the, in the latest solicits, certainly. So yeah. So it bad. may have just been quietly it's, discontinued. They still have it like the big page on DC.com. So I don't know. It's like when you go to the store and you don't find Ecto Cooler anymore, you know, it's just, yeah. they didn't make a big stink out of it. It's just not there. Yeah. No more purple source <laughs> Rex. Sorry guys. All right. Let's get to our famous, our favorite on-screen deaths. You know, this one was a tough one for me. Um, I, I think I've settled on an answer, but I don't know if it's because the death itself was great or if it's what the death meant. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's your rules. Whatever. All right. All right. Fine. Um, I'll let you know if it's dumb. Don't worry. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, I guess if you think too hard about it, it shouldn't come as a surprise. But um, I think my favorite character death on screen is uh, Pa Kent in the original superman movie not the kevin costner pocket death that's bullshit but that one was amazing when he just walks yeah, yeah, into the tornado for no die. fucking reason <laughs> no godlike super being let me die yeah <laughs> no um so uh the the whole uh everything that you need to know about superman can be encapsulated in that like half hour stretch of movie totally where he's you know he's um he's a teen now he's struggling with his abilities and he knows that he can't like use them to to dominate people he can't be on the football team and and be a star quarterback uh he just has to take his lumps well Um, they also did it right in that one where like paul kent was like 
son, you know, you can't be doing stuff like that. But he would yeah. never be like, don't rescue kids in a fucking bus that right, is sinking. Yeah, let them like, drown. You no, can't no. do that. Let them uh, die. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, you know, that scene culminates, like right before he leaves Smallville to go to the fortress, it all culminates with this lesson he learns uh, from Pa Kent is that like, you're not a God. Yeah. Um, and you know, you, you can't, you can't force yourself on people. Um, well, you not can't just that. make decisions for them. There's more than that though. That's like, there is more to that. And I'm getting to that. Uh, the um, universe, you can't control the universe. There's things right, that yes. are just, and that's okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so it, it ends with, you know, they were kind of rough housing. They were, they were playing in the, uh, in the yard of the farm and um, Superman accidentally breaks his neck. And he's like, yeah. dad, no, what have I done? So, uh, <laughs> so they start running back to the farmhouse and Clark is of course ahead of him. And as Clark gets to the house, you see Jonathan in the background uh, and he like clutches his arm and he like puts his fingers on his wrist or something. And he says, Oh no. And then you see him drop to the ground yeah, uh, from a distance. And, uh, what what Clark learns in that moment is that with all of his power, he can't do everything. He can't save everyone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that it's such a powerful part of what makes Superman Superman is that, like, I'm just, despite my abilities, I'm just a man. And the music, like, it's not even like sad. It's like the music just sort of gently swells. And it's like, yes, it's this overwhelming moment, but it's also the moment like right before, like they show the funeral and everything. And like, he's standing there sad, like looking confused a, a little bit at, as they're reading, you know, the eulogy. And then the camera pans back over Kansas. And then like, he, in that moment, he realizes I can't stay here. I got to go do something. I have to become something more. And right. I know now I know what I, who I am and what I can and can't do and what I should and shouldn't be doing. Like, oh, it is such an important moment for that character. Yeah. And, oh. and don't get me wrong. Like that lesson can be imparted without the Kents dying. Like I loved the the more modern age Superman where his parents were still alive. Sure. Um, and I'm glad that they're back now. But in that context, in the context of that movie, that was a pivotal moment. And that death changed the course of Superman's life. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's my favorite on-screen character death. Um, I do love that one. It's, I didn't even think about that one. I started thinking about all the Marvel deaths and stuff, which are great. And like the Spider-Man thing kills me every time. And Iron Man dying, oh, you know, not a dry eye in the house. But one that stood out for me that I totally forgot about, and we just watched, like, chronologically watched all the Marvel movies at the beginning of the summer as well, because there was nothing to do. And I forgot about the death of Groot in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. It yes. is the sweetest moment in, like, what is otherwise a pretty silly film. You know, like a lot of joking around and everything, but they really build on the friendship between Rocket and Groot. And in that final scene where like the Guardians have done it, they, they've solved the issue. Like they've taken care of everything, but like there's this huge ship that is like, it's a Kree ship that is like coming down, going to crash on the planet, going to kill everybody. 
we're done here, you know? And like Drax is effed up. They can't escape. Their ship is ruined. And Groot like puts his arms out. Like he's holding, you know, Peter and he's holding Gamora and Peter is holding a mortally wounded, uh, Jesus, I can't say his name all of a sudden, uh, rocket. And Groot just like all these like little, you know, leaves and, and vines start to come around him and grow out of him. And you slowly realize he's like building a shell to protect them. And Rocket wakes up and turns and looks at him. He's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they're, they're like, they're all these leaves sort of come under Drax and lift him up really gently and hold him. And like the vines are kind of hugging everyone. And oh, Rocket starts crying. I start crying. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah. he's like, don't uh, do this. You know, <laughs> it's so. That's a great that's oh, a great moment. It is so sweet. And it counts because James Gunn came out and said, yeah, Groot died. Baby Groot is his offspring. That's not Groot. That is another plant. That is baby Groot, different offspring. You saw the death of Groot. So totally counts. I don't know if I buy that, but all right. He did. James Gunn came out and said it. Kevin Feige said it too. They both agreed. Yes, Groot died. So there. Eat it. Right. Oh, but when, ugh, when Rocket cried, I seriously started crying. I couldn't help it. Yeah. <laughs> it was so sad because he's such a tough guy, you know? And when tough yeah. guys cry, I lose it. Oh, great question. That was fun. Yeah, thanks, Christy. Love talking about death, especially when things are so great right now. It's fun to just like yeah, <laughs> think about something dark. <laughs> you know? God, set us up with a new question of the week, please. All right. Our new question was submitted by Lord Stephen Fino, the THN Master of Coin. He says, I hate plaid in comics. <laughs> Whenever that's a, that's an artist a strong take. A I don't know if I agree. <laughs> whenever an artist gives a character a plaid piece of clothing, they almost never draw the pattern themselves. They just copy and paste yep. a plaid background into the art, creating the eternal plaid. Yep. <laughs> Which is always the exact same, no matter how a character is positioned or how the clothes are folding or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, nope, you are plaid. <laughs> yes. Uh, he, along with his question, he submitted an example of the Eternal Plaid, and it is a page from uh, Gotham Academy, uh, where it's like literally a school we didn't a, mention. We forgot to mention. Oh uh, yeah, that's I true. I totally forgot about uh, Gotham Academy. It is. Uh, uh, well, I try not to review books that came out while we were. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and yeah, it is just like the same tartan pattern. Yeah. On every skirt. And it literally, it just never changes. Yeah, it's just like flat. Like it is a window. Whether she's standing the, up or crouching. You are or wearing whatever. a window to the plaid universe. The plaid universe, yeah. The, yeah. the, 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 <laughs> the eternal the plaid. plaid. Uh, so his question is, what minor? what is a minor nitpick in comic art or writing that was pointed out to you once and now you can't unsee it? I've got, a, I've got some real good ones to talk about. Speak. You need to give that some thought. It's a good question. Yeah, that's a really good one. That one's fun. Comic book nitpicking. Um, or, like, not necessarily like a style choice. Or Chris Claremont's Scottish accents that he writes. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just didn't, I just didn't ken it. Ooh. <laughs> Constantly a character's going, ooh. <laughs> All right, I got to go rescue my dog. All right, we'll get to that next week. Thank you to everybody that called and played along. 402-819-4894 is the number to call. You could jump into our Facebook and watch us do this live and get the link to our 
Zoom meeting if you want to jump into Zoom and talk to us there. We love it. And we're exploring some different ways to get that out to people that maybe don't have Facebook. So hit us up if you got an idea on that. I'd like to hear what would work for you guys if, you, if you're not using the Facebook. Yeah. We'll be here next week, same time, 1030, Saturday morning. We'll do the news, and then we'll kick it over to you guys. Thanks again. But for now, this is the Two-Headed Nerd. Oh, we're back to new comics this week, by the way. Yes. You're paying attention. Back to new comics. And uh, we got to come up with a new theme for the Cosmic Longbox the week after. So let's hear what you got. Fifth week events. Ah, I already told you. I don't know. We're rolling into October, so it might be time to do scary comics again. Make Joe Patrick read something scary. Look, October <laughs> is a whole month. <laughs> yeah, I realize that. All right. Uh, we'll be back next week. For now, my name is Matt Bomb. My name is Joe Patrick. And this is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing off.